Hello, I'm Hannah Jenna. And I'm Rachel Johnson, and welcome to Before and After, a body image podcast. We are here to discuss our ideas, perceptions, and beliefs about how we look and how we see others. We'll be looking at research and trends in the world of fitness and nutrition, as well as looking at our own biases related to body image and busting some persistent myths that abound in advertising and on social media. We hope to reach and captivate audiences of all ages and gender. So please help us out by subscribing and sharing. And if you like what you hear, we would very much appreciate you leaving us a review. Happy listening. Hello, everyone. Good evening. It's raining outside. I feel like I'm doing a BBC broadcast. <laughs> you are. It was a quiet start to that, but it is <laughs> raining outside, and it's kind of making everybody mellow and cozy indoors, I think. Yeah. I feel like slippers have become more important. You are wearing very cool slippers right now. Yeah. They're, I mean, I've, they're pink and fuzzy. I can finally justify all the fluffy things I've bought over the last like six years that have been sat in the closet and hoped that they would get to be used. Although I was in a meeting the other day. And there were three of us from out here in Santa Barbara County and one person who lives somewhere else that's not here, that's like legitimately cold. <laughs> and uh, Places that actually experience winter. Yeah, yes. we, we were going, oh my God, it's so cold. Which to be fair, it was because it was like, I think the start of the day when I got up to coach was about 37, 38. And by mid-morning, it was like 47, which is, and there was snow on the mountains. Yeah, we had which snow is here, which was very wild exciting. Wild and crazy. I feel like we need to document that in this podcast. That's true. For like That's a little true. time this capsule. This has been a very uh, historic week for Santa Barbara weather-wise. But while, while the three of us who were from this area were all moaning about how desperately cold it was, the, the other person from the other place was like, That's not cold. We were like, like Yeah, it is. They were like, it's, It was 20 yesterday, and that was a good day. We were like, Okay. Yep. You win. Bye. I, I spoke cool. with my, my brother the other day in, in he lives on Vancouver Island in Canada and it was they had a wind chill of like negative 20. I mean Celsius. So uh, that's like um, between like five and 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that that's actually cold. <laughs> that's that's like... what we're looking at. Um, we may have mentioned this. We're climbing Mount Whitney in two weeks. And uh, so I've started to look at the forecast and in this really cold spell over the weekend, I think on Sunday night, the summit temperature, the feels like temperature, so t- factoring in the wind chill was minus 45. What? Yeah. You didn't tell me that. I texted I... it to you all. Oh, I really yeah. did not register that actual number. Yeah. Minus 45 was the wind chill. Because I've been specifically trying to stay away from the forecast because I assume... We're in the middle of a winter storm, quote unquote, for us. So I was going to wait till everything settled down before I checked the (laughs) actual forecast. The long term forecast right now is still too far out. But the I think it was saying like March 9th. There's obviously snow kicking around right now. Then then it goes quiet for a bit. March 9th is another snowstorm um, where it's something like 25 inches overnight. Yeah. I mean, I am prepared for us to do some pretty epic slogging through snow slash using snowshoes because it's going to be I really, really deep hope snow. we get to use snowshoes. That's so fun. That's I am. So too, that's actually going to be I'm, the most fun potentially. I if can, we do get to use snowshoes. I can definitely do without minus forty five wind chill, but uh, yeah, snowshoes are fun. Anyway, <laughs> this is not an outdoor expedition podcast, although <laughs> maybe it will be after this. Uh, We are actually going to discuss a topic that is kind of like, you know, something that's 
close to my heart and experiences. But um, I was not aware of this until Instagram, my people I follow on Instagram would shared various things about it. But it happens Instagram's to be good for that sometimes. <laughs> National Eating Disorders Awareness Week. And given that we are a body image podcast, I figured that now would be a good time to kind of just have a conversation around eating disorders, disordered eating, our experiences of mm -hmm. either or, um, and give you guys some, maybe some valuable tools you could share. Um, I certainly found something today um, on one of the websites that I was drawn to that a screening tool that I was yeah, not aware of. Diagnostic. I was slightly nervous to take it. But, um, you know, it's for anybody, I think they said ages 13 and upwards, it applies to them. Yeah. So that could be cool. Um, and, you know, it's something that it's eating disorders, disordered eating is so, so prevalent among like all my friend groups, really. And really, yeah, for I those mean, more of us, and more, I think it's maybe it's being talked about more and more, but it yeah. definitely feels like it is so much more prevalent. It's definitely being talked yeah. about more. I mean, like I was thinking about it today in terms of we, we talk a lot about CrossFit because we do it. Um, and a young CrossFit athlete, Haley Adams, who's, you know, super famous, has done really, really well. Mm -hmm. Top five kind of a person, which is incredible. Just pulled out of competing this year. Yeah, and not just pulled out of a competition, like pulled out of a whole the entire season, season, saying um, I need to focus on this because yeah. she's been competing with an eating disorder, which makes what she's accomplished even more impressive. But mm -hmm. she was always kind of, you know, great at long, grunty workouts, but lacked a little on the strength. And that poor girl, like listening to the people go on and on about how she wasn't strong when if she actually is suffering from an eating disorder, just showing up. Right. In front of millions of people is insanely strong. Yeah. In itself, like a different kind of strength from maybe being under a barbell, but obviously hope that she gets the help she needs and recovers. Um, and it'd be awesome yeah. to see her back and what well, she can do in a healthy place. It's awesome to just like see. I mean, I, I think, you know, she's in a really interesting long line of specifically female athletes. I feel like in the last year or so that have come out publicly, like, you know, there's been things like that in professional tennis, gymnastics, all kinds of things. Like people saying like, Hey, there's mental health stuff. There's eating disorder stuff going on and like actually stepping back from their sport. So it's, it's pretty amazing to like see it in the sport that we do, I guess as well. And it's cool that she's at that age feels like she can talk because you know, I, I didn't publicly talk about my experience for nearly 20 years. Yeah. Because I was ashamed and embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the messaging, right? You kind of screwed up. That's on you. Yeah. And you just keep it quiet Tuck until, it away you, until and, you've sorted it out, right? Yeah. And so it's cool to see that it's an okay thing to say. Yeah. And to admit to and be like, yeah. Yeah. This and, is and she didn't like have, you know, it wasn't like this big grand announcement. She didn't post like lots of videos but you know it was just like here's the acknowledgement of what I'm going through and you know didn't make like a spectacle out of it. it was just like this is it and I'm taking time for me I remember a few years ago um I think I don't know whether it's like a regionals or whatever the process of getting to the CrossFit Games was and there was you know Sarah Sigmund's daughter was just slated for having the tiniest dimple of cellulite which, oh gosh! Do you remember yeah, that? I do remember that. I don't even know if it was cellulite or whether it was just like weird um, like lighting a weird or whatever. Weird lighting and something. But I mean, even if it was cellulite, I mean, whatever. It's true. People commented on it. It was like it was turned into this huge deal, yeah. and I'm like, wow, 
This is so not fair. I mean, like, if if you know CrossFit, then yeah, sure, the guys work out with their shirts off, but they have long shorts. Mm-hmm. And the girls are wearing, like, what increasingly is becoming a bikini. Right. <laughs> but there's a yeah. lot of skin on display. And, you know, we've all yeah. seen, we've talked about, like, you know, when Dave's walked us through, like, the photography process oh, of like something like double exactly. unders and, like, when you're bouncing, like, the yeah. thing, the kind of way your body can appear from, like, one part of the jump to the next. Just based on the way gravity is like pulling your skin. And the (laughs) pressure, I mean, like the pressure on these girls, so many of them so young, not just to perform. And I guess it's any sport, like sprinters too, anybody who's wearing like small, tight outfits. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's going to be a camera. Yeah. And you're at all sorts of crazy, unflattering angles. And, you know, even the most, I don't know, mathematically beautiful person in the world if that's such a thing you know somebody who has like all the right dimensions is perfectly symmetrical is is beautiful they're gonna have an angle that's yeah they're still not gonna not gonna be their best yeah i mean it is amazing too because like Haley adams is a great example i remember um was it the first year of the pandemic when the the games the crossfit games was like super small there were only five athletes that were invited to the final thing um and Haley was one of them. And in that workout, uh, there was that crazy Atalanta workout, right? Where it was like, I don't know how many pull-ups, but everybody ripped their hands and was like bleeding, right? Mm -hmm. And Haley, there were these amazing photos of like blood all over her shorts because then everyone was like, oh, this is so amazing. Like she's like, you know, kept going through all this pain and like ripped and blood. And yet that same sport is the one who like identifies like a little dimple of cellulite. And like criticizes it, right? Like bleeding all over the place, like you're a badass. Getting out there with like cellulite visible, like is something all <gasps> what of a are you thinking? Like inappropriate. <laughs> like it's 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 crazy. It's so ironic. And you're right. Like I don't think the men in the sport really have to deal with anything like that. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Anyway, I'm glad that she's taken her season off, and I hope she gets better. But you know, so I started to think about eating disorders and how they present and wondering like how many people right now because just recently I've been kind of getting curious and some of that is inspired by our trip to Whitney knowing yeah. that we're going to burn a gazillion calories oh my gosh so that, many <laughs> just trying to stay warm is going to burn oh a lot gosh. of calories <laughs> that I started to think about my own like I, when I had my eating disorder, I overheard somebody say, once you have an eating disorder, you always have an eating disorder. Oh. And I was like, damn, that sounds really depressing. It's like alcoholism. Yeah. People identify like, this is who I am for the rest of my life. And I would say that that's not necessarily true. But I do think that once you've had an eating disorder, there will always be a level of disordered eating yeah. that follows you around afterwards. Yeah. And that can be like, you know fairly minor yeah disordered eating has a very big scale to you know obviously borderline eating disorder and one thing that we have talked about in the past is like rules we did that whole episode on rules yeah. right rules and rules serve us or not rules have always been a part of my disordered eating post eating disorder yeah it's like a tongue twister it is <laughs> And I like the distinction, though, right? I mean, I think that's that's an interesting distinction and, that maybe, yeah, not everyone like fully gets, right? And that we'll it's... try and define it later on. But um, yeah, so I was thinking a lot about rules and the disordered eating part. And I was like, I feel like I'm probably in the best place I've been ever in terms of my relationship with food and what I'll eat. And the list of things that I won't go anywhere near is much smaller. Yeah, And a lot of it is there just because of intolerances rather than 
I can't eat that because it's got too many calories in or too much fat or whatever. Um, so I was like, okay, what if for a couple of weeks I just ate whatever I wanted if the urge comes up without being like, yeah, but I probably shouldn't do that. And so I bought myself a bunch of different kinds of um, protein bars the other day just right. to, as like to try and find some ones that I can take on this trip. And I'd already eaten quite a lot during the day and I'd already had probably two protein bars already. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. And then there was this birthday cake flavored protein bar on my counter that Ooh. was one of the ones that I had not tried before. And I was like, dang, I really want to eat something sweet. That's tempting. And immediately, all of the kind of like, no, you've already had two of protein bars and you've already yeah. eaten this that was sweeter side and you've already eaten blah, blah, blah. I was just like, I'm eating it. And I ate it wow. without any, it was actually kind of nice. I uh, ate it without <laughs> any kind of like guilt or bad feelings or the immediate urge to rush to the mirror to check. Because that's yeah. another thing, like when you start to cre create some awareness around your behaviors, it's not just like the food that you eat. It's like the physical response post-food. Or the mental response, right? and like, like the things you're saying to yourself. and I'm definitely guilty of like, I'll eat something that's maybe sort of, you know, pushing the boundaries a little bit. And I don't suddenly think, oh my God, I'm fat. I'm disgusting. I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. That That's way past. But I will, and I had noticed this until very recently, run straight to the mirror and look. Really? Yeah. Like something in your brain tells you that you might be able to see yeah. a physical manifestation of, of the fact that you ate an Which extra is protein bar or something. Entirely ridiculous because. Yeah. But I mean, our brains are super powerful. I mean, we've, right, we've had conversations about um, plastic surgery. And when people mm -hmm. look in the mirror, they, they have, you know, sometimes what a lot of people would consider extreme plastic surgery, but they look in the mirror and really, really think they look better or look beautiful or, you know, whatever it is that their brain, I mean, our brains are powerful. But, you know, when I had an eating disorder, I spent a lot of time standing in front of the mirror, just like pulling bits and squeezing bits and seeing what it might look like if I lost a little bit more. Yeah. So it's just like this kind of built in reaction. And mm. I, then I just laughed at myself. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Was it a good protein port bar? Did it make the cut for going on the trip? I think so. Oh, all I right. I think then. so. There you go. Success. And it honestly, tell your brain this was just if good I could research. Get it to stick to me somewhere useful to help me stay warm. I would welcome it. <laughs> yeah, that's. I feel like that's a whole other topic. Bulking for warmth. Bulking. I've got two weeks. <laughs> all it'll happen. Do much in two all weeks, that'll happen but... is that my butt will not fit into any of my pants. Right. I mean, and, and I'll still have no body fat right. from like the ribs up, and I'll be freezing. Well-fitting clothes will keep you warmer than well-placed fat potentially. So, but yes. Yeah, so that's that was uh, a little interesting carryover from the days of eating disorder for me. But I think to kind of start the conversation, what do you know of the different kinds of eating disorder that so, exist? I mean, I think for me, I definitely remember relatively early on in school, like I can't actually think of exactly when, but in like, I'd say at least middle school, like health class, right? You'd have health class and it would have different units of topics. And, um, you know, I think maybe in like 
I can't remember exactly when like sex ed, like it was probably somewhere around grade six, seven or eight. Right. Um, but there was definitely a, uh, health class unit on anorexia and bulimia. So like those two specific can, you know, conditions or actions or diseases, however we categorize them now, um, were very specifically talked about. And so I remember growing up with this like very keen awareness of like, okay, if I don't eat, I'm anorexic. If I throw up, I'm bulimic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely had some friends who did both of those things or one or the other. Um, and so like, I, I think I just kind of had this general awareness Um, I definitely did not struggle with either of those, um, in particular. So I didn't like have any kind of direct, uh, I guess, yeah, direct experience with it. Although I feel like what I've learned since is like, there are other things about eating, not just those two particular diseases. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's my main memory is and sort of knowledge for a good chunk of my life was like just those two things. So as long as you're not one of those two things, you're fine. That's interesting. I I honestly don't remember it really ever being talked about at school, which given the fact that I went to a very high pressure all girls school where it was like, contagious eating disorders were literally contagious did you have like sex ed like do you remember like health units in we had we had sex education but we did not have nothing about or at least i mean i I could have blocked it out of my head it was a solid piece of curriculum because i yeah i mean it's that's interesting so i mean it should have been it really should have been talked about but from back then there were kind of like two, like you said, two distinct categories that I was aware of. Anorexia, starvation, and bulimia. Binging. Binge and purge. Yeah. Binge and purge. And, you know, we definitely, I kind of mixed in circles where sometimes, you know, you'd go out in the evening and you'd look at someone and be like, wow, you eat that? And then, of course, they'd, they'd go, to, go the to the bathroom, bathroom straight after, afterwards yeah. and <laughs> followed by the next person and the next person. Um, but since then... You know, there's also binge eating disorders. Yeah. Like my brain always goes to, and it's probably because of my personal experience and what I experienced like with the people who suffered from the Marami as a kid, is I always thought of like eating disorders equals super skinny human. Yeah. Like yeah. frail, For fragile, sure. you know, like yeah. sunken in cheeks. That's the picture in my mind of and, an eating disorder. And in my mind, I remember in school, I know this is terrible, like that this was a stereotype, but anorexia and bulimia for me was like both skinny one had bad breath right because that's like one of the weird things i remember about being taught was like uh bulimia gives you really bad breath right like all the stomach acid it like erodes your teeth and they talked about it in terms of like almost like dental care <laughs> oh um, so i totally remember teeth, that like everybody is yeah but both kinds make you skinny um but that's the way you tell i, I like, certainly okay. tried it but i cannot make myself throw up I really cannot. Yeah. But it, it doesn't have to be throwing up, though. There's also the laxative The abuse. laxative one, yeah. yeah. That's where I took it things to the extreme because I was anorexic. But then also the cucumber and piece of ham that I would eat would be expelled. Yeah. By way of the laxatives. <laughs> I actually don't know how I'm alive. It's you quite, know. Uh... <laughs> it's quite incredible what the human body can be put through. Yeah put up with and come back from and then what it can heal from exactly yeah 
I mean, it's the physical healing is significantly faster than the mental healing. That's yeah. for sure. But there's also obviously that is one end of the spectrum of eating disorders. But we now know binge eating disorder, mm-hmm. which is very, very like closely related to like emotional eating in its extreme form. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, the food generally an eating disorder is like the food either with lack of or excessive amount of is all about either control or emotional support or, you know, you're looking to solve a problem. It's, and then we have also, you know, people who are in the middle and this is the scary one, right? Where there are plenty of people out there. And just to throw out the statistic, 28 million you adults in the U.S. will experience an eating disorder at some point in their life. Yeah. Yeah, I know. With some of the information you sent me, that was a statistic that definitely... Like... Now, I don't know, out of that 28 million, how many are at the extremes, whether it's like mm-hmm. super underweight, super overweight. But there are plenty of people within that 28 million that are in the middle who might look like you or I. Yep. But yeah, just, be like... suffering. Yeah. And have a completely unstable relationship with food. And that's the crazy thing, you know? Like, all you have to do is sit with a group of friends around like a meal or talking about food or whatever and it's almost impossible that nobody says anything that would mm-hmm. give you a hint as into yeah. their their relationship with Absolutely. Food. I mean I I have I have one friend who I mean I have shared many many meals with her, right? We've cooked together, we have had lots of social occasions together and all my direct experience was like this is someone who co- loves cooking, cooks everything from like, you know, the farmer's CSA boxes, all these great vegetables, loves cooking fish. Like I would not have thought this person had particular issues with food. Right. And then, you know, through other conversations, like turns out like, you know, this is also someone that would eat throughout the night, like alone or something. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was such a revelation. Like it was like, even like being around someone for a huge amount of time around food, you can't necessarily they pick up on that. Did just tell like, that to you? Did they open up about that eating or um, how, did that, how did you discover that? It kind of came up just in general conversations that we had been having about like fitness and like weight loss and like kind of, yeah, just like struggles, you know, like it, it came out of a conversation where, you know, she was admitting to me like, you know, I would like to be X amount smaller or like, and here's why. Um, and she knows obviously that like, that I do CrossFit and, you know, also like really interested in talking about fitness and nutrition. So it just sort of came up naturally. And cause I was sort of amazed at, um, I think she, I think she made like some reference to how many calories she ate in a day. And I was kind of surprised at that. And I was like, well, how? And that's when it came up this sort of like, oh, well I eat that way a good chunk of the day. And then I can also eat like half a gallon of ice cream in the middle of the night and I was like huh and it is so so common and I've definitely talked to you know people who are considering nutrition coaching I've had clients who've talked to me about it who they're let's just call it visible eating the eating they do in front of people public eating yeah very good very Mm -hmm. healthy very balanced but it's behind closed doors where the the other stuff happens you know and it's wild how many people 
at dealing with that and hiding stuff. And I mean, that's where, you know, you're certainly on the scale. We mentioned like eating disorders versus disordered eating. I mean, disordered eating can be anywhere from just say somebody who wants to just eat the same meal all of the time. Yeah. Without any change, any variation, just the same thing all the time. And maybe they're getting great nutrients from it so it's not really a problem right it may not seem like a problem and this person is doing it just because of convenience or because they happen to really really like that meal um which i would eat fish tacos like every day all day how long day. do you think you could eat do I that wonder. before you were, i don't know but i'd like, actually be willing I used to, to like love, try <laughs> oh god i used to love couscous when we raced really? around the world i don't know why i used to wow. like it. couscous is a weird thing to love that much <laughs> When I raced around the world, we had a lot of it because it's kind of light and yeah, you know, we, yeah, it's quick to cook. Quick to and, cook. Uh, yeah. By the time I finished racing around the world, I couldn't even look at it. I'm sure that was in 2008, <laughs> and I have not eaten couscous since. Okay. And if you served it up to me, I don't even know if I could be polite and British about on, it. I wonder if that's on the menu down. for Mount Whitney. That'd be tough. They'll probably will be one. I'll be like, oh no, no, I don't think it's not like a dense enough food for mountaineering. Rice is better. <laughs> so say, let's take this example of this person that's eating the same thing every day, whether it's because of convenience or just that's what they like to eat, so that's what they're going to eat. There's an element of disordered eating to that because most of us benefit from variety mm-hmm. and, you know, a different flavor profile and different, you know, sources of protein and different veggies, but they're not doing that in order to solve a problem or looking for an outcome or whatever. It's just like, this is just what I do. So that's like kind of low end of disordered eating. Then we could bump it up to like the person you mentioned, you know, who's kind of walking and straying into that gray overlappy area where there's an element of binge eating disorder Mm -hmm. starting to show up, but it's not, you know, necessarily, at the extent yet of full-blown eating disorder where you've kind of it is the eating disorder part is funny because like a lot of them begin out of like a seeking control mine certainly did right i felt like i'd lost control in every area of life so what is the one thing that i can exercise extreme control over yeah and that was food but it actually ends up controlling you yeah because you're chasing like trying to find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow you could search for your lifetime, but you're never, ever going to find it. I still hope that I will. But <laughs> every time there's a rainbow, I'm like, there's got to be one somewhere. Um, and, you know, the thinner you get and the deeper you get into, I mean, I say thinner, obviously it could be getting bigger, but I just, I can't speak right. of that yeah, experience. Yeah. Yeah. But like the thinner I got, the deeper into the, the eating disorder that I got, the worse it became. And then you become so weak and so frail, mm-hmm. it just seems so monumentally impossible to get out of it that now what you were trying to control is entirely controlling you yeah and the journey out of that is just horrible yeah straight horrible when when you were like going through that i mean this is also i'm thinking back to yeah kind of being a teenage girl and like thinking through these things do you remember like any pop culture or like newsworthy things related to it when when you were younger like when when eating this is sounds a little silly but it actually I think was serious for a lot of people in in a way that helped them or at least made people aware of it but like when I talk about eating disorders and I think about being a teenager back in the 90s I think of 
two things I th- like on in pop culture. I think of this very famous or infamous episode of Saved by the Bell where Jesse Spano, it's the I'm so excited episode um, where she's trying to do this like kind of song and dance number. She ends up basically taking sort of those diet pills that are like speed. Mm-hmm. And she has this little meltdown and it's like, you know, it's like a very memorable and people often like make fun of the scene because she's singing the song like, I'm so excited. And then she's like, and I'm so scared. And she like has this breakdown. But it was like, it was basically this like really kind of serious depiction of of someone in high school trying to like make an image and like do this show and like focusing on her weight and turning to like diet pills. There was an episode of Beverly Hills 90210 that was similarly about diet pills, like this cool, popular uh, college girl who comes back and like hangs out with the high schoolers. And one of them sees her sort of sneaking these pills and she, you know, admits to sort of that being her. And I can't remember if it was laxatives or what, but it was like the same kind of thing. So I remember this being on like television and Mm -hmm. like having that be like a model of like, oh, this is something that should be talked about, like. Like, did you have anything like that when you were actually going through it? Because I witnessed that as someone who wasn't going through it personally, but it stuck with me. So when you watched that and you saw someone taking diet pills, you're like, that seems silly. Um, Or just like completely just like neutral feelings didn't really... I actually remember... I mean, no, I think part of me actually in at least the 902 when... like, uh, Like, I actually remember... I did want to change my body a bit, mostly because I was an, a volleyball player mm-hmm. and I was one of the bigger athletes. And it was around the time we've talked about this a little bit with like the clothes that we wore. It was around the time where we had to start wearing those bloomers, which are basically just underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was at the same time in my life when I was obsessed with Beverly Hills 90210. Um, and I actually remember considering it, but I like I never had the like. I don't know, the, the the means or the wherewithal to actually go out and like buy, I don't know, I forget the names of the things, but you could buy them on like, they were in ads on magazines and like you could buy them at like GNC stores. Well, that, I mean. Those like thermogenic burners. That's oh, what it was. Yeah. Don't take them. Yeah. But that was, was like, that was I'm what it was in the 90s. I'm the name like, of the substance. There was like something, there's a thermogenic substance that's like killed a lot of people. Yeah. Um, But I think... I don't think that in England at that time we had anywhere near the access to diet pills and thermogenics and things like that ah, okay. that existed out here. Because when I came out here when I was 18, I saw them everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, wow. They were advertised as like nutritional supplements. Yeah. So it was super common. And like later on when I'd come back again in 2012, 2013, something like that, I actually was... I was I was in a hotel. I must have been in a hotel because I was watching just normal TV where there's shitloads of commercials, and there there was this commercial for some kind of weight loss pill. It looked like almost like a fish oil capsule, yeah, and it promised miraculous results and all the rest <laughs> of it. And there was still like like the switch in my brain that was like, oh, cool. And Maybe I was out work. here from sailing and like having been in Charleston, we were just you know, eating Southern food and drinking lots of beer. And I just felt kind of crappy and, but didn't have like a consistent schedule to be able to join a gym or whatever like that I was bouncing around. So I went out and bought some cause I was like, Oh, well this seems easy because that whole, like when I was 17 and swallowing laxatives mm-hmm. I was like, well, it works. So yeah. let's try it. 
oh my god <laughs> it was terrible yeah. i think the whole the point of these pills was like to stop you being able to absorb fat oh it was one of those and what it does Ooh. to your digestion is disgusting yeah that i mean the, i don't know if that was around the same time then as like olestra that oil that mm-hmm. was used on potato chips that your body could not digest yep. so it, it was a way to i think they used it to market fat-free potato chips because your body would not digest it. And what that meant was the back of the label literally said, may cause loose stools. <laughs> so basically, because your body couldn't digest the fat, it would just run Internal you. lube. Yes. Yep. I mean, like, that's pretty yeah. much what happened with these pills. Oh, like the ones I was talking about were the ones that just like amped up your heart rate. It was basically like Oh yeah, those, those ones are dangerous. These ones are just yeah. gross. And like, and this is to take it to, like, I'm about to do TMI, so close your ears if you got sensitive. <laughs> but like, if you're taking these things that are meant to like fat bind and not allow right. you to absorb fat, then the color of what you poop out is alarming. Really? I'm just gonna put it that way. Interesting. <laughs> it is like alarming. like sometimes what comes out of Dory Doodle, alarming, like yeah. weird colors and just like yeah, well, kind of like really pale, <laughs> alarming consistency, an alarming color. And thank goodness, like, and, but there was still that, this was the interesting part. And I definitely will get back to answering your question about. No, I, I, I love, I love this digression. But, <laughs> it's like going going to weird places. To, to color and texture of stools. Um. Um, but, you know, I felt pretty weird after yeah. about three or four days. And like, I was kind of scared to be too far away from a bathroom. Yeah. That's and not a sustainable lifestyle. But I, you know, like at the time I was still living off of like, crappy hotel breakfasts mm-hmm. um you know like cheap biscuits and like old just refined carbs and and feeling weird and there was like half of me that was far enough removed from like crazy eating disorder mindset mm-hmm. to go um this doesn't seem right maybe we should just stop taking weird pooping pills <laughs> but then there was half of me that was still that person was like mm-hmm. this feels awful and not right. I nearly said unright then. And I think that's un-right. a good word. Sure. This is like unnatural how I feel right now and what is happening. But this is going to make me lose weight. So yeah. I'm going to stick to it. And I actually think that I luckily, maybe it was like 50, 51 and 49%. And the 51% thankfully won out and went, stop. Yeah, this is not. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? And I guess that that's when, you know, people who were like, once you're anorexic, you're always anorexic. That there is that kind of like, you know. There's, there's still that the switch yeah and i always wonder like now like what trigger would it take to flick that switch or have i come far enough and now like i've studied so much to do with nutrition and coach so many people that i'd be able to exercise that kind of coaching mindset on myself and be like hang on yeah but i definitely still like they were saying about the mirror thing I've only just recently noticed that I do that. And I've been doing it for, how old am I? Like 25 years or something. I thought you were going to say you're 25 years old. I'm like, no, no, you're not. (laughs) I think that is disordered aging. (laughs) I have disordered (laughs) aging. You're definitely not 25. (laughs) Don't burst my bubble, Rachel. Thank God. (laughs) 
I was going to go to bed all happy tonight thinking I was 25 You again. can feel 25. I'm sure you do. <laughs> certainly act like it sometimes. Um, but to go back to your, your point, like, I, I really only remember... And, and part of this was from like the all girls school thing and the people who were pretty or the girls who were pretty were just idolized and the ones mm-hmm. who were not were not. And so I related like typically the pretty ones probably also had eating disorders. So they were skinny. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do anything about pretty, but I can do something about skinny. Yeah. And then I'm going to unlock this new world for myself and I'm going to reclaim control because I'll be like popular and center of attention and stuff. And it's all going to be great. And so I think I looked more to like the supermodels at the time. Hmm. Because to be a supermodel was like a thing. Like people were striving to do that. And, you know, that was kind of like heroin chic. That was the heroin chic eras, yeah. So I just remember thinking, you know, looking at like pictures of Kate Moss, who was just like a stick insect. And, you know thinking that if if that could be me then all of a sudden things will be changed things will change and you know I remember it started by I think when I was 16 it was like April time and it sort of began my on-ramp to eating disorder I don't recall really having much in the way of disordered eating I mean like I think mentally I had been developing anorexia for about three years prior because Quite possibly, of just right? I mean, like it's developing a, I, I could mean, it is it's a neurological condition that develops. I like could spot someone with an eating disorder from a mile off. The other people just thought were slender, and I had mm. been watching people's behaviors, and you know, with just starting to like idolize people who were like super thin, and thinking about like what it took, and starting to like hate myself for feeling full and things like that. I mean, there's still that, mm, right? Yeah. I almost never eat to feeling full. Yep. Interesting. Like the one observation you made when we traveled together for, to the games was like, I yeah. eat like a bird. Yeah. it's That's actually really true. Like eating with you kind of day in and day out for that week was like, you don't ever have like big meals. No. Except still on not. like Christmas and stuff. Yeah. Like, like every holiday eating. Every now and again, I will blow it up and eat like a yeah. big meal to the point of feeling full. But a lot of that is less like it's now just become my way of eating and I, I like it. Yeah. But like part of that was developed out of like self-preservation that if I feel really full, I don't, it's not so much now, but like certainly 10, 15 years ago, if I was, fe- if I ate to feeling really full, I would feel, start to feel really bad about that. And so as long as I don't feel that way, I can eat a lot in a day, but it's all in like little sort of bite-sized chunks. Hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, so I'd say I probably, I probably started the on-ramp to an eating disorder when I was 12 or 13 years old. Wow. Wow. And then like now was like when my mom had gotten sick and I was feeling like complete like loss of control and like there was a lot of stuff going on at home and I was just like I I I feel lost and then it took like another trigger at around the age of 16 and I remember in April whatever circumstances like came to a head then flicked that switch and I remember thinking okay I just hate who I am right now. I hate everything about myself. And that will be fixed if my outward appearance makes other people think that I'm something different. So what can I do? And I was like, I'm going to start. I think it was crisps, potato chips. 
I was like, <laughs> I'm going to see if I can just not eat crisps this week. And crisps was something that I ate every day and had done for, you know, a long time. And I stopped like cold turkey, mm-hmm. no more, no more crisps. And it was really easy. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to stop eating biscuits. Seems- and at this stage, you know, people around me, parents, whatever, were like, oh, good for you. You, you know, making healthier choices. Awesome. So I stopped eating biscuits. That was easy too. And then I was like, oh, cool. Well, what else can we introduce? And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel hunger. I don't have to eat when I'm hungry. And then it becomes becomes kind of, it's it's really hard at first, but it becomes kind of a thrill. And yeah, that's when you like, like training yourself to do something that you kind of get tipped over the edge when like, I remember distinctly, and this was like, well, probably like October time. So I was well into it by this stage because I went downhill fast. But we, I was at school and I was sitting in a class and I was trying, like I, I didn't hear a damn word that was said in that class. All I could think about was not passing out. Oh my goodness. And I felt awful. Like there was a, there was a bit of me that was like, I just want to ask somebody for help right now because I think I should probably go to the hospital or a doctor or something because I felt so freaking weird like it is the weirdest feeling like your life is kind of you know like when a light bulb is about to go and it kind of flickers a bit oh yeah kind of dims it feels like that like yeah. it literally feels like that's your life and it's it's fading away and then coming back and fading wow. away and coming back and and even then but even with all of that I think when the class finished, I ate a piece of lettuce oh and God. felt bad about it. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, it's just so interesting to hear you like talk back, like think back to that and talk about like those, like that's such a clear memory of emotions. And so, I mean, and that's where. Hard to imagine that being you, like the person I know now, right? Like, But that's, that's where somebody like Haley Adams and like she's. She's obviously, you know, not at that extreme stage of it physically, or she wouldn't be able to go anywhere close to CrossFit Games, but who knows where she's at, like, mentally in the the battle that she's been going on, going on there. That's true. We don't know her particular kind of, you know, know, what what all she's struggling with. Part of, like, probably her ability to endure some of the gnarliest workouts Mm -hmm. is that when you can sit there and survive that kind of crap... You have such an insane strength within you. And, you know, throughout like my whole power, my yeah. whole sailing career, whenever anybody kind of dismissed me for being female or just like mm-hmm. that I'd never go anywhere, I wasn't like strong enough. I love was my favorite thing whenever anybody said, you're not strong enough. I'm like, I race across oceans. And the grit and determination it takes to do that, I was like... None of you who are saying this shit to me have any clue how yeah. strong I am. And I could run rings around all of you big beefy people <laughs> who are telling me that I can't do this any day of the week. But it was like my silent superpower because I would never have told anybody that I had right, that experience right. because, you know, it would be used against me. But it's it's pretty wild to think back now. Like you said, like, you know me as who I am now. And I don't think I've ever seen you eat lettuce, much less feel bad about it afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Broccoli, on the other hand, (laughs) I've seen you eat a lot of that. (laughs) I've, I've, 
It's been a very long time since I felt bad about eating a green thing. Right. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. I ate a giant bag of broccoli the other day and I didn't feel bad at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Quite good. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully no one out there feels bad about eating broccoli. Please don't. Um, Talk to me if you do. It's so good. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, eating disorders, disordered eating, like the more... Like I said, I didn't talk about it publicly for nearly 20 years. Mm -hmm. But the more I've talked about my own experiences, the more like I kind of hear other people talking about their experiences. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't know many people that don't have some kind of a difficult relationship with food to some degree. Agreed. I mean, I, I don't know what, when, when you're ready to talk about this, but I, you know, I took the diagnostic test of the, the website that you sent me. Yeah. So um, nationaleatingdisorders.org. They, that is, um, you know, the website that I first looked at this morning when I was looking at national, yeah. the national eating disorder awareness week, and they have a screening tool that is, like we said, appropriate for ages 13 and up. Um, just takes a few minutes and it can help determine whether, you know, you're experiencing, you know, maybe just some low level disordered eating or whether you're mm-hmm. actually at a stage where now is the time to go and seek some professional help before yeah. you become that person that's sitting in class and trying not to pass out or die or whatever that feeling was. Yeah. Um, so I'm intrigued. Like, yeah, I mean, how far did you get so through the it, test? It was so I finished the test um, shortly before we started the podcast, um, and it was interesting, right? I mean, it started with kind of a series of questions that. Before you talk oh, about yeah. the, your your results, yeah, what would you say? You know, how would you describe like your relationship with food? Would you say it's a hundred percent healthy, never had an issue? Would you say you're um, dipping a toe into the disordered eating spectrum? I would probably say, like, I mean, like, you know, memories of, of thinking about my body and maybe wishing it looked different as a kid and stuff like that, I have memories of. But I would probably have, like, say that I am, like, pretty much healthy in my relationship with food. Like, I've never experienced even, you know, relatively short phases of, like, anorexia. I've never actually, you know dipped toes into the bulimia world. Um, and for the most part, like, I feel like my current adult life of um, being relatively healthy, making food choices, kind of having a good attitude about food as fuel for me. Um, yeah, like, I would not, I would not think that I am at much risk, okay. I guess, for disordered eating. I don't have a history of it. And other than my 20s when I just was like a bread and cheese vegetarian where I know I didn't eat healthy but even that was like I think just you know there are times in our (laughs) lives where we just don't eat healthy but right like I just that was it like those were my main sources of (laughs) food I lived Um, off ramen for a while sometimes dry I would just oh I mean weirdly very dangerous yeah do that yeah I mean I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast too like in high school when I was like a volleyball player every day my lunch was a big bag of Cheetos and a Diet Coke, right? Like, we all went through phases where we weren't making great food choices. But even that, like, I don't think that was like a... I, don't I wonder have... if when you were having Cheetos and Diet Coke, my lunches were like four cans of Diet Coke. 
Right. And without the Tito's. Right. We're probably doing a similar thing. Yeah. Same, same, but different. And I'm wondering, like, <laughs> did I think, did, did I choose diet? I mean, I used to be one of those people that said I loved the taste of Diet Coke better than regular Coke. Like, I don't know. That was like a thing everyone said. Like, no, no, no. I just actually like the taste of it. <laughs> and that actually became a marketing campaign for them because people were like, nobody likes the taste of Diet Coke. It tastes chemically. Um, but I feel like that was like a weird excuse where people are like, oh, you're just drinking Diet Coke because you want to be skinny. I mean, even the fact that we call sodas diet sodas, right? I mean, there's a, there's, that's a whole other thing to unpack, like the marketing of that. Um, but, but yeah, even with that stuff, I wouldn't say I was ever doing that for kind of disordered or unhealthy eating reasons. It was just like, that's what my friends ate kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, um, so no, I think generally speaking, I would say I am not at all like at risk for eating disorders. Okay. So, yeah. So that's the perfect setup for the fact the that the screening tool. Um, yeah, I'll I'll start at the end. My screening results were: you may be at risk. <laughs> that was my slight concern when I saw that. I was yeah. like, how many people are going to take this who are actually probably fine, and now they're worried that they've got an eating disorder? Yeah, I mean, you know, so here's here's what it says. You may be at risk. Your responses suggest that you may be concerned about your weight and or shape and may be engaging in behaviors that may be interfering with your health. Um, these symptoms indicate you may be at risk for or are struggling with an eating disorder. If you aren't currently in treatment, we recommend that you be evaluated by a mental health professional and or medical doctor. This survey is not meant as a diagnostic tool, but your results indicate this is a good time to start a conversation. Um, so, and then it, you know, provides resources. So I think that's, you know, that's probably a good way of saying, here's something like, um, and the questions though were really interesting because like it started out just asking like, do you think about your weight? Or your, the shape of your body. Like, how often do you think about those things? And we are CrossFit athletes. We have a podcast. So my answer to that question is a lot, right? I mean, I think about my body. We talk about bodies. We talk about exercise and the shapes of our bodies a lot. So it is kind of front of mind. So those questions might be a little bit, I guess, related to the fact that on some level, we are in various parts of the industry of this. Um, they asked a question like, uh, what is, what is your history with diets? Like I've diet, dieted frequently. I've never dieted. I'm on a diet right now. I mean, technically speaking, I have to say I'm on a diet right now, right? I'm on Mm -hmm. a prescribed macro. I'm working with a coach kind of thing. Um, so I do think that some of my answers probably when contextualized properly, like are not. The I think same that's a difficult. As, yeah, like, like it's hard to write surveys. Surveys I are really hard. I wish they would phrase that differently because, like, are you on a diet right now? Like, I know it should be more like, are you restricting your are calorie? You restricting, yeah. you know, and it does get to that. Like, it literally it, it moves on to more, much more specific questions. Most of which I answered sort of in the negative, whatever that is. Like, it actually asked, like, are you eating? fewer than 1200 calories like it actually called out a calorie number um and so it started to ask more specific questions of like uh getting to more things like bulimia or laxatives or different things like that so um so yeah i mean i can see maybe why certain answers to the questions skewed me into the possibility of at risk um but i also feel like any organization 
takes their own risk, like with a diagnostic tool, right? Like mm-hmm. you want, you don't want to freak people out, but you do want to make sure that you're, if someone is taking it and like is at risk, that you gently tell them that and then like immediately kind of push them to resources. So, but it was interesting, right? Like I had to, when I saw that, I was like, oh, oh, clearly they don't have enough context to know, like I'm not at risk. Um, but I think back through the questions and I, I recognize why they would ask them that way and that it might indicate, right? Like someone that says, oh, I, on the daily, I think about my body. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was um, how, like, how often do you think of yourselves, yourself as fat? Like actually like naming that. Uh-huh. And like, that is something that I do a fair bit, right? I look in the mirror. I do that thing that... You were saying you do like when you like, you know, Squish pull things bits. one way or you like, you know, um, yeah, like we live in a world full of mirrors. Um, like every time I walk past a mirror and this is like a good thing. I'm not saying this is related to looking in the mirror and moving around the bits and bobs. But like when I walk past a mirror or a window on the street, literally every single time I check out my butt, <laughs> like I look at my own butt. In, in the reflection, I'm like, do you ever oh, find yourself good. like if you like, look at an, in a mirror that gives you like, you know, mirrors are not all equal. No, not at all. Um, if you look at a mirror that's not flattering, mm-hmm. do you immediately try and seek out a one that gives you a Absolutely. better feedback? Of course. And if I'm in a store, like if I'm shopping for clothes, I try to remind myself that like this mirror might not be the right one because some of those mirrors are meant to make you look better <laughs> and then you make bad clothing choices. And lighting too. Uh, and lighting, I mean, lighting exactly. Lighting has a huge um, effect on yeah, things like yeah. cellulite for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, but anyway, so yeah, all that to say like we live in a world of mirrors. And so when I got to those questions, I was like, yeah, I kind of have to admit like I do. I, I, I look at and think about and criticize my body a lot um so so yeah I mean it was it was interesting to take it as someone who really felt like I had no risk or history um to kind of see the questions they ask and um and now you've taken it and you've got the results is there any part of you that's like now obviously some of those things like you just said lack a little context yeah is there any part of you now that's like hmm Maybe I'm slightly more at risk than I thought. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give myself credit for the fact that it says now is maybe the time to start a conversation. And I'm literally having a conversation with you about it right now on the podcast. So I feel like I've already started seeking out, you know, conversation and resources like it is recommended. But um, no, I mean, I think it's I feel like I always want to be curious about myself. Um, and so I think it's another piece of information and I think of that and I think back to conversations we've had before that we've talked about on the podcast where like, there are like, there are times where you've asked me and then called me out on the fact that like, I had at one point been counting macros for a really, really long time without Mm -hmm. really taking a break. Right. And I, it had become like just a kind of part of my life and we talked about taking a break and I've taken a break from macros and um so I mean I think I can look back and think actually maybe I wouldn't have described them as like disordered eating but I think there are certainly times where I've acted in a way that could be could be read that way I mean I think so, with macros macros can be a great tool mm-hmm. and if you're like kind of just tracking out of 
long-term tracking out of curiosity and just making mm-hmm. sure you're sort of eating enough of the right things and your focus is on eating good food and not yeah. just eating numbers because we all know I'm good at eating numbers right. um then you know it, it can be a useful tool for me it's kind of like I it's been fun doing it and I'd like to dip in and out of it for very short periods yeah. but it's kind of like taking an alcoholic to a party and right. setting them up at the bar it's that well it's that element of control i mean who can think of like a better thing to give to someone who loves control of like 131 grams of this thing here's a scale go like, and like i remember right? I mean, when, that's like when i got my control. coach in 2017 and i first started counting macros and in month two, like one of my check-ins, like I straight up had a meltdown because I pulled one zucchini noodle out of my dinner right? to make it. To make sure that you got that exact. Also yeah. bullshit because we also know that food labels and all well, of that stuff is so inaccurate. that We know that now. But that when you drop noodle... that bomb about <laughs> the fact that food labels are like 20% inaccurate potentially, like for someone like me who... I. I still don't think is at much risk for eating disorders, but I love being right. And I love like, right. So if a coach gives me some macros, I'm going to be like, I'm going to hit those damn numbers as close as possible. And then to find out that even if I hit them exactly, I'm still probably 20% wrong. That's hard to take. <laughs> so I get that from the control it was just perspective. Like when, when I did that and I was just like, it's happening again. Like this is, this is not cool. Like, this is going to go sideways. And thankfully, like, she talked me off the ledge and I finished the next six weeks or however much longer was left. And, you know, it was fine. But I I also recall just after I got done doing those three months where I, like, leaned out a ton. I loved how I looked. But I was, like, clinging to the macros still. Yeah. I was scared yeah. to exist outside of the macros. Mm-hmm. And slowly started to try and not track everything. And then... The Thomas fire happened and it was kind of just like there was one day where the fire got like all the way up to Santa Barbara and like there yeah. was ash and smoke and stuff everywhere. And it was kind of like the end of the world was coming and nobody really knew what to do. And you couldn't really go outside because the air was just like thick mm-hmm. smoke. And me and Dave and uh, one of our roommates decided that we were going to go to Whole Foods and just buy just whatever the heck food we wanted, like cheat day from hell kind of thing just was like it might be the end of the world foods cheat day okay wild and i was like it might be the end of the world so we'll just we'll go out with a bang and just eat whatever and so dave dave and the roommate came back with all sorts of treats and you know the kind of things that you'd be if it was your last day on earth you'd be like to heck with it i'm gonna eat all of these cupcakes or all of these chips or whatever it is you know like typically not the healthiest options i feel like i'd want a lot of peanut butter cups I don't know, in that situation. And I was saying, oh, Dory would pick some (laughs) some of those. No, Dory would Um, pick. (laughs) And I was sitting on the couch eating, I remember eating out one of those, like, uh, the the cardboard boxes you get from their, like, buffet. Oh, yeah. They're, like, the prepared food section. Yeah. And I was like, I feel so bad about eating all of this. What were you eating? Well, our roommate turns around. She's like you're eating cauliflower and it was some kind of like you had cauliflower it wasn't just like steamed cauliflower it was cauliflower and some kind of sauce or whatever but it was cauliflower freaking cauliflower and like they both looked at me just like you felt bad what eating a cauliflower are you talking dish? about even if it was like fried buffalo cauliflower i feel it like wasn't that's even fried. still it just like... had like a sauce on it and i was just i sat there 
And part of me realized how ridiculous I sounded. And part of me was yeah. just like really sad that mm-hmm. I had put all of this work in and people were praising me for how I looked and I loved how I looked. and It was great. But I was like trapped in this place again where I was just like felt bad for eating cauliflower. And what the heck? This was my last day on Earth. Right. Apparently, apparently y'all were also like, framing this in the apocalypse. So like, I think you made, uh, yeah, like a sad choice there as well. I chose cauliflower. Um, I mean, like, come gosh, on. It's definitely not the end of the world today. And I, my last meeting of the day today was um, at a, a, a restaurant that had very like traditional, just like Americana kind of food. I ate potato skins which was one of my favorite things from childhood, just like kind of fried Ooh. potato slices with cheese melted on them. You see, that, I w- that um, sounds like, so that's good. It's like the, the cheese. Well, yeah, you're right. You could, you, well, you actually wouldn't like mind these. They have, the other option is bacon with like bell peppers and onions. Oh. That's your kind of potato skin. That's, but That sounds good. Um, but it is interesting, right? Like I think about that. I'm like, mm, is that the kind of thing I would want if I thought the world was ending? Because they were really delicious. And I do feel a little bit bad about them, but like not. Not, not bad enough. <laughs> not bad enough. I mean, like, and I was super honest in my food log. So um, my coach will know that I definitely blew some good, well-deserved fat macros on my potato skins today. <laughs> but yeah, cauliflower at the end of the world, huh? And guilt cauliflower. Guilt cauliflower. I mean, well, yeah, what's like, the point of being guilty in the final days? I don't Like know. final moments I don't of know. the... <laughs> but I guess, you know, there's still... Like all these little things pop up every now and again that show me that 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 still yeah. is in there somewhere, and like I would say I'm definitely now in a low end of the disordered eating. Yeah, I definitely do not have an eating disorder right now. Did you take the assessment? I got like three quarters of the way through it, and then I got distracted with some work. Got it. Okay. And I thought about going back to it, and then I was a bit like. I don't want to see. Well, and that's fair too, right? I feel like they should ask that question. Are you afraid to finish this survey? Because that's probably like relevant. But I now know so, so much more about all of this and like from all of the coaching stuff that I've done and like the years of just creating awareness mm. around my own habits and behaviors and eating, eating patterns and stuff. And apparently there's still things to discover, yeah. which is intriguing. Um, that, you know, I will definitely hold my hand up and say that I will probably have some degree of disordered eating forever. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it will forever just be low level yeah. and, and stuff yeah. that's just there. It's not like that I'm trying to be super thin or super, you know, mm-hmm. lean or super in control of anything. Right. Like, it's just stuff that I've done for so long, like eating like a yeah. bird. You just might always default to cauliflower as your first impulse. I mean, it like, wasn't broccoli, but... If we are actually facing the end of the world, can you please grab a cake or something well, for me? yeah. I mean, at least grab those, like, Trader Joe's chocolate, dark chocolate covered peanut butter cups. Like, you know, like something like that. I feel um, like I would be really Or those really chocolate sad. covered bananas. Like, yeah, you know, those are better end of the world treats. Yeah. Um... <laughs> This is not a way to gauge your disordered eating level, by the yeah. way, on what you would choose what as your you last choose meal on the earth. That is not world. a question um, in the yeah. in the sort of survey yes. that they they did. Um, <laughs> but like the point that I really did want to get across from this podcast is that so many people are dealing with something, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And all of it deserves space to be listened to and talked about. And we're now in this kind of great time where it's okay to talk about that without people looking down at you or calling you crazy or like slapping a label on you forevermore. It's like, we all have struggles. And, you know, it's, it's kind of really fascinating one. Like, how did we get to this point where in one country, 28 million people will experience an eating disorder? Like, how? How did that happen? Yeah. It's not quite 10% of the population, but it's damn near close, close. right? I mean, it's, it, that is a lot, that's a very high statistic. Like, of all the people you interact with in a day, one out of every 10 to 12 of them is like, you know, probably dealing with this. I mean, like, how did that happen? And how do we stop that yeah. from being the case? Because that's, that's about 28 too yeah. million too many yeah. people. Well, and I mean, the other statistic that that same organization shared for awareness was um, that was really um, mind blowing to me was that, let me find the thing. Um, Eating disorders have the second highest mortality rate of Mm -hmm. all mental health disorders surpassed only by opioid use disorder. Mm -hmm. So like opioid addiction, which I think most people recognize as like one of the major health crises of our current age. um, I never, ever would have guessed that eating disorders would be up there as the next in line for death, right? Like mortality rate. That's... Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it's such a horrible, horrible thing because, you know, you can't quit food. Yeah. I mean, I know anorexics try, but like the recovery right. involves doing the one thing that you've been terrified been of. Been fearful of. Yeah. Like that's with true. drugs and with alcohol, you can stop that. Yep. And there's like substitutes to Healing help wean you away off from of it. That. Yeah. But yeah. You what do you do? cannot stop eating food. Yep. And so the recovery... And that, like, the mental hurdle of trying to see food in a different way and not as the enemy is so brutal. And, you know, from this, like, if nothing else, I want people to just be aware, listen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that one person, like, I remember a girl at school who I always just thought was just, you know, kind of boring and really just healthy and never ate anything, quote unquote, fun. Because she'd have the same, like, one little sandwich and one Mm -hmm. apple. I later learned in life that she was actually quite deep into anorexia. Yeah. And her mom, I think, actually called me after I had, actually when I was going through it too, to just tell me and oh, like talk to me about it. And I had had no clue. I just yeah. like thought she was just one of those people who was just naturally thin. Yeah. And... You know, you just never know what people are going through behind closed doors. And first thing is always is kind of being aware and like watching behaviors like your own and others yeah. and and making it OK to have a conversation. I can't even imagine having a kid who's kind of showing signs of an yeah. eating I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I know certainly like when I grew up. No one that in my family knew what to do. Right. I don't think that was something your family talked about much. <laughs> no, we never, yeah. never yeah. talked about it at the time or really since. Um, but yeah, creating awareness and talking and 
disordered eating doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to become an yeah. eating disorder. I think that is a, it's a good distinction. Like, I don't think I thought much about that distinction until this conversation, but it is, right? Because, like, an eating disorder makes it seem like you're just, like, you're there in something and you're stuck and maybe that's, like, a, you know, just something you don't have control over. Disordered eating is, like, this is a... Uh, potentially a temporary adjective mm -hmm. we always eat and sometimes it's disordered sometimes it's not sometimes i will eat um, nothing but like insanely healthy everything yeah and then other times i will have these weird little micro phases where if it's not in a packet i will not eat it like huh. it's like i'll suddenly start eating all processed foods and I won't touch anything that is not yeah. like already. Well, and that, yeah, that's a great example because I think there probably are things like that, right? That, um, and that's for some people, I feel like that probably even veers onto a different spectrum of like mental, you know, health issues or something where it's like OCD. Like there's some mm -hmm. people who are like their obsession with food is actually like things of, yeah, kind of cleanliness or packaged or, you know, there's all kinds of things like that. So. And it's not just people who are really skinny. There are people yeah. of all shapes and sizes and ages and gender identities and all sorts that are vulnerable to this, are suffering from this. And it's and if it's you who is feeling that way, mm -hmm. then reach out and get help. Yeah. Because I wish I had. Yeah. Like, I wish it had not taken me 15 plus years. Mm -hmm to yeah. finally feel like I turned the corner, even though physically it was nowhere near that long, but like right. mentally, yeah, the shit that I faced every day for like at least 15 years yeah. could have been a lot less right. of having to deal with that if it actually had proper help. Yeah. And if, I mean, if it's, you know, if it's helpful to people listening or, you know, anyone and like, look to those people who are now out there in the world um, talking about their struggles publicly, right? Like I think the, we also didn't really have the internet <laughs> when we were younger, oh, no. like chat groups, there was no Instagram or Facebook to like read other people's stories. So I think it is really amazing that so many, um, you know, famous to us athletes, like obviously in, you know, the realm of like CrossFit or things like that, but really other professional athletes, other celebrities, like there's a lot more role models, I think, to, to see in the world that are mm -hmm. talking about this stuff publicly. And like, if that gives people courage, that's great. Um, and these be, these are people that you very easily look at and be like, oh, yeah, they're like super healthy. There's they're not strong. an issue. Yeah. Yeah. But I do want you to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, because at one point I really didn't want to wake up another day because it was just yeah. too much. Yeah. And never would I have thought that at the age of grand old age of 42 slash 25. Yeah, maybe 25, but actually That I would 42. be like fit and healthy and strong and, yeah. you know, throwing barbells around and, and being okay with weighing more than 87 pounds. Oh, 77. 77. That's right. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I haven't quite made it to double that, but close enough. Close enough. <laughs> you can certainly lift double and triple that in lots of ways <laughs> so it is definitely worth getting help and it is definitely worth you know even if you're not sure if you need help just go chat to someone somewhere mm 
Take or check out these brains. resources. I mean, the, the assessments, there's a lot of tools out there that um, even if you want to first seek help, you know, by yourself on the internet. Um, and I'm sure if you put in search on like Instagram, National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's lots of badges and information out there that's being shared around. So. But uh, yeah, that's that's I mean, we could talk about this for hours, um, but I think we've we've covered enough. And I hope that in there has been something useful for somebody somewhere. That's always the goal. Um, and if anybody out there who knows me personally wants to know more about my story, then come grab me, say hi. We can sit and have coffee and I'm happy to share whatever you want to know. Um, and that's all we got. That's so it. it's a good, good rainy night conversation. It's pretty much bedtime now, because so, <laughs> it's eight twenty-two p.m. as we sit here recording this. It is this. indeed. Um, so we will be back next time. Thanks for listening.